0: Okay, so I'm just going to be totally honest with you because I feel that honesty is the best policy. About 15 minutes in, my recorder just just it up, okay? So my voice is going to go really tinny and I apologize. But I think if I just, I just say it now, we can work through it and we can just pretend that it didn't happen and we can enjoy the podcast. So um, yeah, just ignore it and I will fix it up for the next one. Hope you enjoy anyway. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Natural Born Quiller. Today we have the CEO of publishing company Curiosity Quills. Please welcome the lovely, the amazing, the very talented Elisa Gus. Hey. Well,
1: I guess I'll just have to live up to such a <laughs> not sure if I can, <laughs> no pressure. but I'll do my best.
0: No, no, no pressure. So as we know, you are the CEO of Curiosity Quills. When did you first start the publishing company?
1: Well, actually, we started it in 2011, and we completely did not set out to do it at all. Really? Well, what happened is we were writing our own book. Uh, actually, uh, an upper MG, as it happens. So I guess you would like it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we decided that we would market it before it got written, because, you know, being savvy people that we are. So we decided to just kind of build a platform. Well, long story short, Jurassic Will's blog was actually born uh incidentally it just became curiosity kills but just at the last moment we decided to change it to something a little more innocuous for an mg book so curiosity kills
0: is that from curiosity kills the cat inspired ah thought so
1: <laughs> so we started actually kind of getting people together getting their opinions kind of it became a bit of a soapbox and before we know it people actually Ma- michael shin specifically um went and said well you know they want to publish us and well decided to give it a go Uh, long story short we now have like what about 300 authors signed and and not a single book of ours out as they would say in Russia the shoemaker goes without shoes
0: That's incredible because Curiosity Quills has grown so rapidly and even though it was very risky of you to start a company in 2011, the year before the end of the world, (laughs) before we knew there was life after 2012, (laughs) you have managed to grow, it's a mini family, it's a community, something you don't often see with the big five. Was that something you originally intended to have? actually um,
1: I feel like this is the only thing we can rely on these days considering that Amazon has been really pushing its own mm-hmm. imprints, and the bookshelves, uh, I mean, book space actually is just really being crowded out just because the bookstores are closing. So I think if the authors do not really support each other, how else are we going to become known? I mean, how else can yeah. we actually be seen? I have just spoken to an author who is going to really be going to every gift uh, shop in you know in his community, just trying to get his book in there. Because getting into a bookstore is impossible, So, oh, and once he's just... there, we're hoping to get you know, other titles in as well, It's it's all about communities.
0: Definitely, and it's quite sad. I think in a way, with the increase of self-publishing, it has oversaturated the market. It's harder to get readers to almost trust the author enough to invest and crave your book. Have you found that?
1: I, I did. Um, actually Mm. also it's kind of tough to get people to invest in a series these days as well because you know some of them just don't feel like the series is going to end and so they Mm. even do not even want to try the first book until like all Mm. three or five are out but how is the author going to eat it in the meantime? Or the publisher, for that matter.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's absolutely crazy. As a lover of books yourself, do you get to write as much these days? Or are you focused on the business side and editing?
1: Well, the only thing I have done is published a short story in one of the secure anthologies. Um, and under a pen name. I was about to
0: say, you don't go by your real name, do you? Uh-huh. No.
1: I'm actually <laughs> going specifically under a pen name because I kind of want people to read it as a story instead of as a story by me, and I don't want it to speak for CQ altogether. Yeah, I get that. So that's really the only thing I had chance to do. Now that I have three kids, I actually set out to do the whole thing when I only had one. And now I also have a Wishnish, which is almost like a kid, which is like a, an offshoot. <laughs> so the writing is non-existent.
0: And that's not to say you won't write in the future, just right now you have bigger fish to fry. Could you tell us a little bit about Wishnish?
1: Well, it's actually our answer to the trouble that I was describing, you know, uh, in a way if actually reaching readers and getting them to support you and getting them to evangelize for you. It's all about mm-hmm. building a community. And that's really what Vishnij is. A set of like storefronts which are s- surrounded and jo- make a community. Where people can go, discover a book they like, discover... a uh, an author they like and subscribe to them, support them and actually get their friends to do it as well. That's excellent. So that's not just for authors, is it? Absolutely not. Um, Right now, we are working with real estate agents. We are working with... You might be interested in that. You know what I'm talking about? Who I'm talking to? This completely revolutionary company out of Switzerland. They have developed smart suits. Oh. Yeah. So what you do is basically... Um, get into that suit and it actually records every action you make. What? Yeah, <laughs> and actually it's got like a um, program that it translates into and then what you really don't need like a green screen or anything, you just then go tape or get a video, whatever you like, and basically transfer what the suit has recorded of you into it. So basically it's like for vloggers, for, um, you know, like a medium production companies, what that sort of thing. Like the production budget just goes way down.
0: Oh um, my, I'm speechless. Are we living in the future or what? Well, you
1: know, they kind of used something similar when they were doing the panda, you know, that the, the Kung Fu panda. Okay. So they used it, but it was crazy expensive and it wasn't as sophisticated and only really used for cartoons. But now you can actually transfer the entire human into a show.
0: That is phenomenal. I was reading something the other day about how fashion will change in 50 years. They were saying that we'll be wearing technology. So, for example, say you're walking down the street and you're wearing a polka dot dress and you see someone else wearing the same thing, you can switch a button and suddenly your dress will will change to all black with red roses. I don't know if that's true. It's kind of more of a scientific prediction, but would that be something you'd be into? Oh, hell yes. And actually, it probably means I have to shop less because I hate shopping. Oh, me too. Sometimes I go through a phase of it and I enjoy online shopping. But every time, every time, it's the wrong size or it looks completely different to what it looks like. So I just, yeah. (laughs) I've been burned too many times, so I'm quite happy in my hoodie and tights.
1: But, you know, coming to a mall is also kind of, you know, kind of ugh, especially with the kids they go like yeah. you you go shopping no but there is godiva chocolate i mean why are we shopping for clothing <laughs> what's godiva chocolate
0: is that a thing
1: oh yes it, it's a thing you should try a thing it's like i think one of the best chocolates ever it's uh, actually it's <laughs> godiva chocolate here. oh my god it's to die for they also make like strawberries in chocolate and coffees and so on
0: oh, like maybe i just don't know a lot or maybe it's not in australia but I, I love Cadbury chocolate. I eat a lot of that. I also have a Belgian friend. who used to bring her Belgian chocolate over. So rich. You know you're living when you're eating Belgian chocolate.
1: <laughs> you know you're living high life when you're eating Godiva chocolate ice cream. That's what it is. They actually do ice cream oh. as well. And yes, Godiva, you can call me now for an advertising fee.
0: so is it based off lady godiva is that where the name comes from it's actually yeah it's got a horse
1: on it it's like a it's a gold um you know it's like a gold design and then a dark horse on
0: okay i'm going to be doing some googling When we had our Willy Wonka musical, it was a parody. So that way uh, I was like a criminal Wonka. I'm pretty sure people are sick of me talking about this. But we did have a proper chocolate. It was lint and uh, you could have the Wonka wrapper over the top of it and people would win their golden tickets. And it was so nice. Like you'd only have to have a mouthful of it and it was rich enough for you to be satisfied as opposed to me usually just gulping down chocolates by the bucket load. So I, I feel chocolate brings everyone together. Oh, my God. I just so love what you do. for the, I wish we had something in our community, kind of
1: like your school. We don't, you yeah. know. We have like a music and, school here, I mean, like a dance school,
0: but it just seems
1: very state, you know. It's like they teach you, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and I found growing up, especially in a small town, there were a lot of dance schools, and I like dancing, but I don't love dancing. And the teachers were a little bit like Abby Miller. <laughs> So I didn't quite get along. But yeah, I, I would love to franchise. I love what I do because I like to think I teach in a very unique way. And there's no pressure. I like to make sure that that rawness is still there. So that way it's very natural, very organic, the way that they perform. And it's all about building confidence as well. Because I say to everyone, you're not going to be a famous actress necessarily. But if this makes you feel better about yourself, then this is what it's all about we all have a different voice we all sound different we all look different and that's a beautiful thing to have because why be normal when you can be different
1: well you know yeah. I'm sure you don't want to move out here to Great Falls because you know we could use someone <laughs> like you
0: <laughs> don't tempt me <laughs> no I'm, I'm just one of those people where I want to do everything and I want to be everywhere so once they develop cloning I promise I'll be out there <laughs> okay I guess that's probably what I'm going to put on Vishnish next oh <gasps> yes Help get and cloned. Okay, now I have a I have a very serious question. Okay. Serious. Okay. If you had to choose between never petting your cats again and never reading a book again, what would it be?
1: How about you guess and I'll tell you if it's the right one.
0: I'm guessing you might choose your cat over the books. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice, good choice. Actually, um lately
1: you wouldn't I would not
0: believe it of myself.
1: It's it's tough for me to read books you know it's like it's Mm. i think i kind of lost sort of the love for it it's more like i have gained appreciation for them but lost the love of reading
0: Oh, yeah understandable because it's not so much a hobby anymore now it's your job
1: yeah it is i do read a lot submissions and obviously editing and so these days when i have the time i mostly devour newspapers and i have to i mean considering what's going on i guess we're the laughing stuff of the universe right now so
0: (laughs) yeah look I totally get that and I have a lot of guilt as a reader because every time I'm reading something I feel like I should be writing so every time I pick up a book I end up putting it down because I feel like I should go and write and that's why it's taken me so long to get through even one of CQ authors Matt Cox's books And he's a fantastic writer. I mean, he's like a machine. He's got about 30 books out already. (laughs) So he's a really good writer, but I'm just so slow at reading.
1: He actually just finished a new book, did you know? And he told me that he finished it in like four days, 120,000 words.
0: What? How? He is not human. (laughs) He's
1: not. And you know, the quality is there, but like, how do you ever...
0: Because I, like I've mentioned before on this podcast, my my, uh, my top speed of writing is 101 words per minute. And yeah, I finished uh, Realm FM in six weeks. I thought, you know, that was good. But it, it wasn't polished. It wasn't uh, or, or even anywhere near half as long as Matt. So <laughs> hats off to him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that I had once written like 10,000 words of a fan fiction in one day. And I had not done, ever done it again. It was actually a meta fanfiction.
0: fiction. For- Ooh. Can I read that
1: somewhere? Or oh no, I actually never published it. Um, (laughs) It was actually uh, a Buffy story, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, so I actually loved the fanfiction, and it got abandoned. So I really wanted to see how it ended. So I ended up writing, kind of developing it from there. But obviously, I never put it up anywhere, especially considering I had never asked the original author's permission to even mess with your character.
0: Yeah. Well, now you're teasing us now because now we all want to read it.
1: Well, I can actually <laughs> give you the link to the original author if you like, but uh, mine is actually Okay, not yes, author. please. Okay, <laughs> I will look it up. Um, Mistress Ace, I think her name was, but yeah, I'll look it up.
0: You know how a lot of books are often option for film rights. Have you noticed that now it's more for TV? Well, they do call it the golden age of TV,
1: and I mm. think that's actually pretty true. And especially now with the streaming, I really like how you don't have to fit it to the, to the normal length of, like, 22 episodes or 24 mm. episodes. Now you actually get so much creativity, so you get to kind of have, like, a very long movie instead of, you know, like, a TV series. So it actually allows you uh, freedom to move between genres, more or less, and links.
0: Definitely. Like... Uh... And I, I know <laughs> I know what you're gonna say to this one. But even though I adored the Lemony Snicket movie because Jim Carrey is one of my idols and I love the music, the soundtrack and Meryl Street, everyone that did a great job. Yeah. I have to say the T V series was so accurate and it just had the it had the real tone of what the books were about. So in a way I I may have preferred it over yeah. the movie just because tell you got to it. see more yeah. of it. Yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I No, I know you weren't a huge fan of it. <laughs>
1: But, you know, I actually know what you're saying. And the, but do you know that they're saying that Netflix is kind of killing film? Because they're paying oh. so much. And, in fact, they have gotten so many reviews that and, like, words of mouth that it's actually killing actual film. Because people stay around really? to watch, like, Netflix episodes instead of going to, to theater these days.
0: Do you think there's a way it will ever come back is there a way that people could maybe coax people back to the theaters
1: well i think they need to provide sort of more sort of return on investment if you will like kind of mm-hmm. like um, a lot more 3d a lot more than just even normal imax you know just give them something they can not have at home and people will go Mm. for it and preferably less superhero movies because i think they have saturated the market (sighs) come on i'm
0: so over it was vampires and now it's zombies on tv and now it's superheroes so just gotta find the next thing to be obsessed with
1: (laughs) i know did you read that they're actually they're still doing the reshoots for the dark the the justice league seriously for 18 (sighs) months now
0: it's that long yeah Uh. No, see, uh, what I really want to do, I have, I've got many dreams. There's um, this old Regent Theatre in our town and it's about 150 years old and it is stunning, uh, it, just the architecture. And at the moment it's sitting there empty because uh, they want to sell it off because they weren't making money from the movies, which I understand all that. And it needs a lot of work to be done. They have to replace the seating and the sound system and it's so old that there's actually um, quite a racist poem on the walls where they've written and they've got all the drawings and it's very beautiful but it does use the N-word but they can't get rid of it because it's heritage so there's all those awkward little things in it but if I had a million dollars I would love to have uh, like theme dress-up nights so if they were playing Rogue or Star Wars or something I would say, right, you have to come dressed up as your favourite character And maybe you could have, like, little cocktails beforehand and and there's a prize to the best dressed. I think that could be a way to inspire people to get back to the theatres. Yeah.
1: I completely agree. For that, I would go. But otherwise, why would I? I mean, if I can watch it at home. You know, they're actually doing a startup now that actually allows you to watch the movies on the day of the arrival in the the theatres. You can actually watch it at home.
0: That's a good idea. Steven Spielberg is actually one of the
1: investors in it. And I think the Napster guy or something like that, he's doing it. And so basically you get this thing which costs like 300 bucks, you know, like a set type of thing that they would stream to you. And then you pay 50 bucks for a movie if you want to do that. But oh. it's going to be 50 bucks, which obviously you can share with your friends or whatever for like a movie watching experience. Yeah. And that's it. So that that's, that, that's all, she, all you need.
0: that well, it's probably the best way to go. I, I, I'm for it. I mean, if there's no other way to get people to the theatres, yeah, I think it's the way to go, definitely.
1: Unless you do something kind of like what you described, then make it an actual event instead of... Yeah. Yeah, so then you would go... Yeah, um... and that's
0: exactly what I try to do with all my book launches, so even with Colt Harper coming out in six weeks now, I've made sure we've we've booked the town theatre, We're going to have uh, lots of performers. We've got people dressing up as the characters who will be the hosts and doing the MC. I have my very good American friend. Oh, no, he's not American. He'll kill me for that Canadian friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Blair, who does co-host Who Pod with me, he's going to be the voice of cult. So when people walk in, he'll uh, say some cheeky, ominous things. And, again, make it an actual event, real entertainment as opposed to just like a, a book signing and a book reading. Because um, I'm all for that. I love all that stuff. And it lets me use my creativity to the absolute max.
1: <laughs> well, you know, one of the authors we have recently signed has actually been thinking of doing kind of an app for her book when it comes out. So, in, ah. so basically it would include extra footage, almost like audio recordings and some f- like actual photography that she wants to insert into it. So,
0: That's know. a good idea. Yeah, because I do. Um, I will have a photographer and a videographer and that. So I'll make sure I put it on YouTube. So that way you get to have a little look. See that way you'll yeah, sort of be awesome. there. Maybe yeah, we can I, I'm gonna
1: stream it like through the YouTube channel or something.
0: I was about to say I really want to live stream it because I have so many friends all around the world that obviously can't make it. And I'd love for them to be there in some form. So, so obviously the time difference might be about 4 a.m. for everyone, <laughs> but at least it's, it's there if they want to look. <laughs> oh, you
1: can do a 24-hour lunch. There you go.
0: Oh, they, oh God, I'd be bugged. <laughs> <laughs> so you were the person who signed on Broken Dolls, so, which I will always love you for that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for saying it. <laughs> but when you first saw the name Lisa in my book, did you sort of see part of yourself in it? Because I have an unusual name, Tyrolin, so I never see my name anywhere. But when you see your name, Alisa or Lisa, it does, it, does it ever kind of jar you for a second? Do you sort of go, oh, that's me? Or is there no attachment? No, actually these days, not
1: at all. In fact, all my life I had been going by Alisa, actually. Um, mm. And I kind of hated it because it reminded me when, of what my teachers would call me when I was in trouble. So Alisa is kind of like You know a bad association there And in fact as you can tell by the accent I'm from Russia Well from Soviet republics And so everyone spoke Russian And Alisa was an unusual name Like very unusual In fact there is a single Alisa In my school of over 2000 people And so there There was a cartoon character Called a fox Alisa That as I was growing up It was actually a kind of a remake of Pinocchio, and one of the evil characters was the fox Alisa. So everyone made so much fun over my name, because, you know, I was supposed to be evil, and I was a fox, and, you know. This is a pretty name. Well, it was unusual for where I grew up. And obviously, what's unusual, a lot of kids make fun of. Not everybody, but, you know. So once I actually came to the U.S. and actually got older, I started using Lisa, and... I know it's end up being a really popular name around here, obviously, so I'm really used to just seeing Lisa or hearing Lisa pop up anywhere and, you know, it's not jarring anymore. It used to be, but I guess <laughs> I kind of like that it's so normal, considering how Alisa was seen in Uzbekistan.
0: Okay, gotcha, yeah, because I, look, I, I do love my name Tyrolan, but it's very rare when people pronounce it properly. It's always Tyrol and I get, or people just don't even try, they just go T. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually that's what Those they do, not... especially with my mom. Uh, she has a different difficult last name to pronounce. Um and they you know, when she goes to a doctor or to an office they kinda um is that you? The like with a G? Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, just point Hey, you. <laughs> All right, so I have a few, yeah, fun little facts about some of our all-time favourite authors I uh, thought we could discuss. Publisher Kerf bet Dr. Seuss $50 that the children's book author couldn't write a book with fewer than 50 different words. Seuss responded with green eggs and ham.
1: <laughs> so it was basically a bet.
0: Yeah, and it ended up becoming one of the most popular books of the century. Well,
1: speaking of bets, I mean, wasn't something like that as well for... um. The whole, uh, the, the, the Scientology book. I mean, you know, isn't it? was it? I think so. I believe he kind of, uh, uh, he, he bet that he could come up with a religion, and so he did.
0: Oh, I didn't know it was a bet. I thought he just did it for lols. Well, he
1: did it as a bet, and then he did it to make money, because, you know, he ended up actually running for tax evasion. Well, the
0: best way to make money is to create a religion. Maybe that can be our next venture. <laughs> it can be like a book religion. <laughs> Um, all right, I, I have a very interesting one for you. Um, H. Lawrence, I'm not entirely sure uh, what he wrote, but he stimulated his imagination by climbing a mulberry tree in the nude.
1: Okay, I think I, he, bit, he has me there.
0: Yeah, look, each to their own. And uh, we've spoken before on this podcast, we had one author who liked to lay in a coffin every morning before she wrote. So, look, we all have our vices. Why did she get
1: climb- a coffin?
0: Well, that's what we were wondering. We didn't know if it was custom made or what. It's not thing to go into a, you know, yeah. a funeral home and say, yeah, look, could I have that? Yeah, I'll take it home with me.
1: <laughs> well, actually, um, Eugene's like, well, he's not a grandfather, but he's kind of like, I guess, a nun, you know, I guess sort of a grandfather, twice removed. He yeah. actually um, has a headstone, um, except he oh. kind of bought it on sale. Um, and it actually has uh, a date of his death on it as well. He outlived it but it's still there.
0: you are kidding me
1: hand, hand to heart oh
0: it must have been a, made, well, was it he was a really disappointed good sale. that he <laughs> so was he disappointed that he outlived it because that means well now it's redundant you can't use that <laughs> no, he's
1: still planning on using it he actually um put it on a plot and he actually goes to water the plants there every weekend.
0: Uh, We have to get him another hobby. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Um, Well, look, either way, I I will not be uh, climbing a mulberry tree in the nude. It is winter here, so uh, (laughs) I'm going to stay by the fire. I have one last one for you. T.S. Eliot, the author of The Wasteland, had multiple hideaways. At one such place situated on Charing Cross Road, visitors were to inquire only for a man known as the Captain. On coming face-to-face with the author, you would notice that his face was tinted green with powder.
1: He should have just eaten a lot of carrots. It would have been Orange.
0: That, yes, that's why carrots, if you do have a lot of them, do turn you orange. Um, they, they do. I learned that from scrubs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually learned it from biology class, but, you know, he, didn't, he shouldn't sounds... even use it. Yeah.
0: No, that sounds fancier. Yeah, I'll I'll give I, you I learned one... it in biology too. <laughs> I'll give you one
1: better. Uh, there is a book that's coming out. Um, yeah. I don't remember the name. I think it's kind of called, kinda called um, Glowing Women of America. It's actually about women who glow. And uh, they still glow in the dark, and now they're obviously skeletons. um they have all died from radium poisoning they and they're still glowing because radium half- life is four hundred years. and they were the ones who actually were the ones used and abused to paint dials on watches uh, during the World War one, and they weren't told, apparently that you know, there would be bad side effects. So all men who interacted with the uh, chemical or wore vests, you know, the protective vests, women did not. And in fact, they were made to even paint uh, holding a brush in their mouth. So they ended up obviously dying rather gruesome deaths, and their lives ended up changing the labor laws in the U.S. But even now they're still glowing in their coffins.
0: That's incredible. Wow. Oh. Uh, it's It reminds me a little bit of, um, I was reading the behind the scenes of uh, The Wizard of Oz mm. and uh, back in the, the 30s it was really dangerous to uh, paint anyone yeah green because of all the chemicals that were in it and it was as soon as the witch had her scene they would have to rush and make sure it was scrubbed off entirely. They couldn't have one little single bit left in yeah. their pores because it could be quite deadly.
1: I could imagine. Yeah. I didn't know that but yeah.
0: Yeah. So well, there you kinda go. Like, so
1: yeah, kind of like arsenic. I mean, remember that's what they used in nineteenth century. I suppose I believe wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And silver. Yeah, I, th- I think that's etab. right. Yeah, it just goes to show that we always think that we know what's good for us and what we think is good for us today. In ten years, will be completely redundant.
1: <laughs> well, then I'm not listening to anybody, and I'm gonna go have a hamburger or something.
0: There we go, and lots of lots of uh, chocolate. Yeah. Day. who cares it was good Look, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for today I've had an absolute ball um, it, where's the best place for people to connect with you on social media
1: Um, probably Facebook well actually yep. now I'm trying to grow my Twitter presence because I have been um, stalking VCs and they are apparently hanging out on Twitter so now I'm growing my Twitter presence
0: yeah I'm a bit of a Twitter noob it's only been the last maybe six months that I've started to get into it i was very very ignorant when it came to hashtags but i'm i'm learning slowly but steady <laughs> and didn't we actually meet through twitter didn't we who
1: was it didn't we actually you and i meet through twitter wasn't it like actually a twitter Did we? wasn't it a twitter page?
0: no no i um i found you from a google search i was typing in all different publishers and oh. cq came up and i remember seeing the website and i went these people they sound like my kind of people. I liked that you were a little bit sarcastic and just quirky. And I went, oh, I hope they sign me. And you did. Oh,
1: okay, <laughs> well, that's awesome. I was actually thinking that we met on, like, one of the pitch events. But okay.
0: No, I actually, and again, this is where I'm, I'm quite ignorant when it comes to, like, these Twitter pitches and stuff. I only really found out they existed about a year ago. And, of course, by that time I'd been signed. But I went, No, oh, I wish I knew about that five years <laughs> ago. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, they're kind of becoming less popular, oddly, I think. Really? Is,
0: they really were, like,
1: really huge, like, a year ago. And now, there was just a pitch event today. And I browse it, and it's definitely less traffic than there used to be. Wow, okay. I'm well, not even sure. These I, I mean, they're still doing it. It's not that they're not. It's just it's less, mm. you know, less of a thing.
0: Do you think that there's less people who are submitting, or there's just fewer agents and publishers who are interested? I...
1: I think that's actually less people submitting, because maybe they're trying self-publishing, I, I'm not sure, yeah. or maybe the traditional venues of of getting an agent, so maybe that's how. I'm not sure, but I have been noticing the trend for the past, you know, maybe half a year, seven months, so I've been actually pretty religiously doing it. And it's not to say that there are not some quality, amazing works there, but... It's just the number of them is definitely going down.
0: Okay, well, there you go. Well, then, if you are listening and you're interested in submitting, then just go straight to the website Curiosity Quills. Because they are, in my biased opinion, totally awesome. <laughs> well, That's you have not. to say that. <laughs> no, I have to say that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on today. It's been an absolute ball. We'll have to get you on again. To all of our budding writers, I hope you may have learned a thing or two and maybe you can sign up to Curiosity Quills if you have a novel to share with the world. So until next time, this has been Natural Born Quiller. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.